you actually went to Sequoia and you pitched Roloff Botha? Yes. We showed up at Sequoia. I decided to delete a third of my deck. This is literally 10 minutes before Roloff comes in. I delete a third of my deck. Google, what's Roloff's favorite drink? Edward, welcome to the Imagine AI podcast. Hey, pleasure to be here. How are you doing today? Uh, great. I'm so excited to have you here because you're the first guest of the Imagine AI podcast. So to recap a little bit of what we're doing at Imagine AI is kind of building this podcast off of this uh, in-person event that's happening in, in Las Vegas at the end of March. And it's going to be getting all of the AI creators, builders all together at the new Fontainebleau Hotel in Las Vegas. So it's going to be a nice event. And on this podcast, I want to talk with leading AI startups and builders, and you are one of them. You're building this an amazing product, Podcast AI. Could you tell us a little bit about what your product is? Yeah. So Podcast AI is, you know, our mission is to automate podcasting. So from A to Z. Right now, what we have today is, you know, if you look at podcasting, there's really these five buckets, you know, pre-production, production, post-production, promotion, and then let's call it profit, meaning all the monetization. So we start at post-production. That means you've recorded your episode, it's done, it's edited, you're ready to go. You have an MP3 or you have an MP4, an audio or video file. You drop it into Podcast AI and we automate the creation of descriptions, titles, chapters, key points. Uh, we automatically generate the feed and put you out there. Um, we generate you know, viral moments and, and social posts that go with those viral moments automatically, the tr full transcript. And we also generate a full website for your show. So it's really, you know, the, the, our mission statement is automating everything. And that's what we're working on. Oh man, as somebody that's uh, launching a podcast, that sounds really intriguing. And uh, we're gonna have to talk more about that. But first I want to get into the the founding story of the podcast. Cause uh, for me, that's how I got you on my radar is that you made an AI podcast of the the besties of the All In podcast. Can you tell us about that story? What gave you the idea, and what did you actually do? Yeah, so uh, at the time, this was maybe February or March, um, probably February. I was uh, hanging out with uh, my fiance at her mother's house, you know, on the weekends, and I realized, okay, I wasn't cutting it. I needed a better computer to uh, to really be able to do some work over the weekend. I got the new M2 MacBook Air, um, and then once I had the firepower, I started playing around with some AI models, and I started playing around with text to speech, meaning, um, you know, actually turning words into audio in someone's voice. And I had been introduced recently to the All In podcast, and so. I started playing around first with David Sachs's voice and then then the others. And I realized it kind of clicked. I could actually do a parody of the All In podcast. And one of the episodes around then, it was, I think, 117, you know, the, the show opening was them talking about how, oh, you're going to get replaced by an AI, Sachs. No, you, Jason, you're going to get replaced by an AI. Watch out. And so that's basically the premise. They're the four of them reborn as AIs. Um, it's done using their voices. And, you know, I put out episode one on Twitter and 
yeah, David Sachs uh, liked it, I think, and then immediately got retweeted by This Week in Startups, like the actual accounts. So that was Nick. Um, and then Jason retweeted it, and it, it just went super viral. Um, it was amazing. No, it was hilarious to watch because it was the besties. There, it sounded like them. It was their voice, and they were they were joking around, and you know, it was a hilarious script. And that was the big question, actually, was is this you know are these AI models like just talking with each other on their own, you know, free will, or was it something else? Yeah. And, so yeah, yeah. We we ended up putting out six episodes in total, and you know, people were asking like, is this real? And and it was almost this like little experiment, like who thinks it's real, who doesn't? Um, and, you know, the answer is I was scripting the show. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as a, as a fan by then, I, you know, I knew them enough that I could do something that really did feel like it was them. But a lot of people are like, Give me, what's, what's the GitHub repo? You have to publish this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, me and my uh, co-founder, Sean, we realized at that time, we were like, you know, if you were to actually train an LLM on past transcripts, combined with the ability to do the voices, you probably could do this, you know? Um, and kind of the analogy, it's like, imagine you're like in 1895 and, you know, you see all the parts to make a car, right? They all exist by 1985, like the the gasoline engine, you know, the the steering wheel, the wheels, like the actual cart part of, of a car, like all that exists. Someone just has to put it together. So... That's kind of what brought us to uh, to Podcast AI. It's like, let's actually make this real. And, you know, one of the things Podcast AI does, actually, which is the first step towards this, is you can generate an entire ad read. So you basically just say, this is the sponsor name. Um, you just give it a very basic, like, idea for the for the ad and the call to action, maybe like one, one or two lines. Um, you select the reader, one of the hosts, and it will generate a two-minute ad read in their voice and it actually makes a lot of sense, and you can tell it's like based on them, actually. Wow! Yeah, that, no, it was incredible, and I, I, I was like caught up in that. Like, this is like AI. Like, oh my god, this like breakthrough. And I, I think you did a good job, of, like keeping the curtain there for as long as possible, like not revealing that you know it was actually you that was kind of thinking of and writing the script. But I mean, the the the, the voices were so spot on that you know it you know it was still um, still really impressive even after finding out that it was written. Um. So, you know, this got you the attention of the besties and what made you decide to go down the founder university road with Jason? So, so it's a few things. So, uh, Sean, my co-founder and I, like we had started uh, a startup late 2019, you know, creator economy type thing, you know, but at the time it was counter trend. We weren't really, you know, at the time, both in Toronto. Um, so not really in the Silicon Valley system. And so, you know, we, we really cut our teeth in terms of building companies uh, on that. Uh, but when all the AI stuff started happening, it just felt like, okay, we have to do something here. This is this is like 30 years ago when, you know, the internet was being created, you know, in terms of mass appeal. And, you know, we were, we were just too young by this much to be part of it. But, you know, this kind of opportunity comes once every 30 years, I think, or 25 years. And we wanted to do something with AI, obviously. And when you're a second time founder, there's a saying, which is, you know, second time founders know that it's all about distribution. And the fact that the AI all in podcast now have this, you know, distribution mechanism, we realized let's actually make this like the people that are asking, is this real? Let's actually do that. So 
we found the name podcastai.com. We bought it. And what was that like five dollars or was that it was a more expensive like um getting more for it? It was ten thousand dollars. Oh wow. I don't mind saying. But you know, when we saw the name It's a good AI, yeah. I mean it's a good good brand. You can't you can't do better than that. Podcastai.com. Um, with the dot com too, yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's so nice. and we're podcast AI Inc. And when we had started doing this AI all in podcast, we were having uh, you know, lots of DMs coming in. So I was getting DMs from relatively well-known people and people also in Silicon Valley and stuff like that, you know, complimenting it. And one of the people actually that sent me a DM was uh, Presh, who along with Kelly um, is part of Jason's uh, launch, which is his his venture fund. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had gotten a compliment on, on, on the AI all in and uh, you know, I had noticed a tweet about Founder U and this new cohort, the fifth cohort of it. And so I asked Presh, hey, should I apply? And he was like, hell yes, like apply. Um, so we got in and uh, yeah, Founder U is just amazing. It's um, it's yeah. this program. For, for, yeah. First, yeah. Can you break down what is Founder U and what is the program? So F- Jason has Launch, which is his investment fund. And he has an accelerator. An accelerator is sort of like Y Combinator. So it's it's meant for companies to come in and grow and raise and, and do all this stuff, uh, find product market fit. But he also has this on-ramp program to the launch accelerator, which is called FounderU. And it's a something like 12 weeks or 14 weeks. The model is it costs $500 to apply. And then upon graduation, they reimburse the $500. So the $500, and they explain this, it's it's something that once they did that, and the graduation rate is like in the high 90s, um, wow. it's it's meant to make you know people take it seriously and really go through it, which they should. I mean, it's such an amazing opportunity. So it's it's this on-ramp and you know you just come in with a co-founder and, and, and an idea um, and some evidence that you're able to execute. And once you're in, you know, there's this cohort that you're part of, this community, and you're going through this material that's really teaching you the stuff that you need to be doing to actually set up your company and all this stuff. And what they do is they invest $25,000 in about their target is 10% of the companies. And for them, the way they explain it is that's kind of a, a bookmark into the companies. And what they do is their winners you know, the companies that do well that they that they did that with, then they'll invite those companies, like really the, the cream of the crop, into the launch accelerator. So we applied, we incorporated in April, we we got in, you know, it started in May, we started building. And uh, Kelly and Presh, uh, you know, we had a meeting with them and they kind of sprung it on us that that they were they wanted to to invest twenty five thousand. So that was really cool. Um, that wow. was, you know, a lot of validation for what we were doing, which was really amazing. And, and then was at the end of the program, it was towards the end. I mean, they okay. do it throughout the program, but yeah. um, it was it was closer towards the end. Um, but that was that, you know, that was first of all really amazing. And you know, once you're you're part of that, what they'll do is they'll they'll keep, you know, giving you these opportunities, right? So we got invited to a dim sum dinner in New York to pitch investors. We went, uh, we were first to pitch, um, and it went really well. And uh, 
pretty soon after that, uh, Jackie, who runs the Launch Accelerator, which is the analog to Y Combinator, invited us into LA30, which is the 30th cohort of the Launch Accelerator. Um, and every cohort is seven companies that they've picked to get a $100,000 follow-on investment. Some companies hadn't been in, in FounderU, some, some went straight into the Accelerator, but we had done FounderU. So, you know, we got the 25 and then, and then the 100. And uh, so, yeah, we've been part of the Launch Accelerator since, uh, I guess it started in, in uh, October. And wow. uh, it's been great. Yeah. So you're in the, you're currently in the launch accelerator. Yeah. All right. And so I got to get to the story because I, you told me it, you, you told me that you met Rotha, uh, Roloff, Roloff Botha, right? Yeah. Botha. All right. And so you guys tell me this story because you gave me, you teased it a little, little bit. So you actually went to Sequoia and you pitched Roloff Botha. Yes. Um, so, okay, let's set it up. So first of all, yeah. for people that don't know, Sequoia is, I mean, they were the first VC check into Apple, into YouTube. In fact, Roloff is the one who who got YouTube. And Sequoia, I mean, they're they're just the, you know, they're the, the top, yeah. they're the legendary firm, uh, you know, Figma, WhatsApp, I mean, amazing logos, you have to say. And, um, and Roloff is the head of, of Sequoia. So Jason is, you know, friends with them. He was, um, he was a Sequoia scout. A scout. Yeah. Yeah. Sequoia scout. Exactly. So he was bringing companies to, to Sequoia. So a very good relationship there. So the opportunity was bringing, you know, the companies of our cohort to Sequoia. So a bit of a pilgrimage and pitching to Roloff and, uh, Roloff and Stephanie, I should say the two people of, of the team and, yeah, so so we this was like last week, you know. We're this is last week. Why? Last so you week. Went to the Sequoia headquarters. And yeah, it's just such an amazing opportunity, right? And um, you know, the dream is to be able to pitch Sequoia. So you know, the the only six companies were there. One of them uh, couldn't make it because the founders in in Macedonia. We ended up being first to pitch, and I pulled a bit of a a bit of a stunt. So part of what uh, part of what the launch accelerator does is it teaches you to really pitch really well and concisely so your pitch becomes three minutes you have your deck you hone it in and you're pitching it every week every week to new groups of investors um so it's kind of like the training wheels and you get really good at the three minutes so we're 10 minutes before uh roloff is coming in we're sitting in that room and i basically delete the last third of my deck so one minute and i had loaded in Roloff's podcast. So Roloff has a podcast called Crucible Moments that he does for Sequoia. And so I loaded it in, into our system along with his voice because uh, I figured maybe there'd be an opportunity to demo. So I just Google what's Roloff's favorite drink, Roloff Botha's favorite drink. And I get this 13-year-old Quora article. And you know the question in the article is, what's a good South African wine? So Roloff's answer is go to African hut or hunt, I forget, .com, um, and you'll find a really good South African wine. So I go there, as 13-year-old <laughs> reply, I go there, I, I find um, a wine that looks good. I, I don't know if it's good, but I, you know, it just seems good. Uh, I think it's called like Konotop Pinotage or something like this. And I go into our ad regenerator. So we have this ad regenerator. 
I put the the name of the the wine. I say, you know, investing is hard. Relax with a nice South African wine. Um, use code Botha at checkout for ten percent off. And I select uh, roll off as the reader. Sixty seconds generate, and I get this MP3. Um, I didn't really have a chance to kind of like preview listen to it, so you know, just cold cold generate it. And so, anyways, I'm we're first to pitch. Um, one of the other companies was supposed to be first, but uh, the, the actual CEO wasn't able to make it that day. So it was the CTO and it was his first time pitching. So J- Jackie was like, okay, you can go last because, and we'll, and we'll give you a chance to like kind of practice a little bit. Cause, um, that was maybe a little, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a lot, right? Your, your first pitch mm-hmm. is to roll off. That was pretty cool actually. Um, but so we became first to pitch. Um, and I always like, you know, people are like, oh, you're first. That's like stressful. It's like, no, I, I actually, I want to be first or last. I don't want to be like stuck in the middle. I want to make the last impression or the first impression. Um, so it, it was perfect being first and, you know, go through just like usual. And then when we hit where I have my deleted go to market and, uh, and um, roadmap slides, I then say, hey, let me give you a demo. So I pull up the, the, the interface where I put all that stuff and then I play, I hit play and they're listening. Everybody's listening. I don't even think Jason like knew about the ability to do this. Um, and it's playing and everybody's like, holy smokes. And you know, Roloff is like hearing himself do a sponsor ad read for crucible moments about a South African wine. Um, so we kind of took the show there. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, t- towards the end, what what Jason does in the accelerator is he always makes um, the the VCs that we're pitching or whoever we're pitching, you know, score the companies. And needless to say, we did incredibly well. I'll, I'll just put it that way. And um, yeah, it was it was amazing. And and roll off, you know, I I was able to email him and he put me in in touch with uh, his head of content. Uh, so we're gonna have a conversation probably next week or or after. Wow, that that's so cool. And that was just a week ago. You're probably still on cloud nine from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, you know, and and obviously there's a lot there's a lot of news happening, right? It's like Adobe yeah. and Figma, that thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, just uh, in parentheses, like I know Sequoia, they like either keeping them private or going public, but they don't like when the companies, it seems to me at least, uh, get bought out, kind of like YouTube did. So, um, you know, my guess is they're, they're probably fine with the Figma news, but, um, yeah, well, uh, I, I read, I read news that all of the Adobe has to pay $1 billion to Figma because the deal didn't go through. And that that's already three times the amount of money that VCs that they've raised. They've raised like $330 million VCs. And then the, the cancellation fee was $1 billion. So that's I where is right there. Are sitting pretty well right now. I think so. <laughs> that's amazing so what was Roloff's like him hearing his own voice what was his reaction like I mean I, I just like as an investor like a VC investor hearing that I, I can, that's just like uh, you pull out the, the ace of spades or something and it's just such a magic trick yeah I'm I'm, a, I'm actually used to it in customer demos um, you know everybody has that moment there's, there's a few aha moments like when we show that you know it generates this whole website for you uh, when I show that you can, your audience can have like a Q and A chat with the AI host, um, or when I'm showing the ad regenerator, or oh, you used to take 20 minutes to do your chapters, let's click a button. Um, there's a few aha moments like that, but definitely hearing your own voice and it actually, 
being informed in the sense of knowing who it is like you uh, it's based on your bio and the show and, and everything um that that's one of the big ones and so i hadn't done it in an actual pitch meeting yet yeah. so that was the first time but um yeah you know the, the reaction is kind of universal really it's like wow mm-hmm. um and and sometimes i'll like prepare people i'll be like you know have you ever seen the show westworld you know and yeah. uh because when we upload the voice actually there's like this little preview and it has the host kind of say something like you know born from the blah 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 like you know i am now a being or something like this right so it's like a very westworld moment um that's that's the best pilot of any show i think was westworld that's just incredible yeah um okay so i want to make sure we cover our bases here so going back to founder university what were like the top three things that you took away from Foundry University. Yeah. So essentially, so some of this is common with, with other accelerators and, and things like, so really good startup of advice is get your MVP done launch. So that's, that's one of the big things. So if, you know, if you're in Y Combinator, a, a big focus is launching. Um, the, the second thing that's um, maybe in common with those things is you're part of a larger cohort of people. And these are self-selected people for people to execute, right? Doers. You know, it's easy to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a company. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do that. There's a difference between that and actually taking the steps. And, you know, maybe the Keith Raboyce analogy is these these people are more likely to be barrels than ammo because you have to be able to to actually do something from A to Z, right? You know, nobody's going to tell you, oh, now do this, now do this, now do this. Now you'll get amazing advice for any question. Then actually you get plugged into a community. So there's a Slack channel for, for everybody in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of help between, between the different companies um, and sort of shared knowledge. But basically, you know, the, the key from, from FounderU is execution, launch, have amazing products, you know, get customers. It's, it's all about that. It's about execution, really. That's great. Um, yeah, nobody's going to hold your hand. I, I can't imagine Jason holding anybody's hand uh, on their way to uh, startup glory. Um, I mean, he he is incredibly helpful. Like what he'll do is kind of like when he's moderating, you know, he kind of analogizes it to, look, I passed you the ball. Now mm-hmm. you make the shot. It's, you know, sometimes he'll pass the ball and it's like, wow. Right. So, you know, okay. putting you in front of a big podcaster, stuff like this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I've watched some of those uh, public pitches, actually. Like, he'll just, like, live stream them. And, like, I would, yeah, I was watching one. And it's, I don't know, it was, like, 30, 30 people giving their pitch. And then he, him and, I think it was him and Molly at the time, they, like, said who they thought did best of, like, the last five and or w- which one impressed them the most. And, I mean, just that practice to to do it in, in front of people and that repetition and getting the, the at-bats is, is so important uh, for for founders to, to the pitching process. Yeah. Any other takeaways that you can think of from your time at Founder University? You know, it's, it's really about being in the ecosystem. So, you know, this is something that affected me. I don't know about other people, but being in Toronto, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, you're just out of network for Silicon Valley. And there's this really good clip that uh, uh, Mark Andreessen, uh, of Mark Andreessen, uh, you know, talking to, might have been 60 Minutes or something like this. But anyways, the 
presenter or announcer, he asks uh, Mark, he's like, so, you know, how do people get to pitch you? How do you decide who to invest in? And Mark's answer was kind of interesting, um, actually very interesting. But at the time, and I had seen this like two and a half years ago, I didn't understand it. You know, I, I understood the words literally, like speaking English, anybody can understand the words, but it actually takes a little while for you to actually understand what he's saying. So, you know, Mark Andreessen, he goes, well, every year there's about 4,000 venture qualified deals out there, uh, companies, and uh, 2,000 of which that we see through our internal deal flow, 200 of which will get funded, 15 of which will be successful, two of which will make a portfolio. So, okay, at the time, okay, I hear that 4,000 and they look at half of them. Okay, okay, and some of them will be successful. But what he's actually saying is, there's 4,000 venture qualified potential deals out there. Venture qualified means you went through an accelerator, like a launch accelerator or YC, um, and there's a few other tech stars. That's one way to get venture qualified. The other way is you're, you know, the ex head of whatever at Facebook, right? That's one way to, um, to, to get venture qualified. And the other way is, oh, I uh, have this exit from my previous startup that was super successful. Yeah, of course, that's another way to get venture qualified. But if you don't tick one of those three boxes, they're not really going to take a look at you. And sort of the analogy that I would apply is, so my my father's from France, uh, actually both my parents, but um, my my dad told me a, um, a story. This is from the 70s and there was high unemployment in France. And some Parisian post office had one job opening and there was a line a, a, you know, around the post office for this one spot, hundreds and hundreds of people in the lineup. And, you know, the way that they decided who to give the job to is they basically administered an extremely high level math test, right? Which, and math has nothing to do with your ability to be a mailman um, or a postal office worker. But when you have such an imbalance between, you know, the number of spots and the demand, you have to find some way to filter. And so for the VCs, they need a way to filter. And yeah, it's, it's kind of unfair if you're out of network, but you kind of need to venture qualify yourself. You need to be one of those 4,000. But it's worse than that because the next part of that quote is 2,000 of which we see through our internal deal flow. That means they're just looking at half of those that are actually being warmly referred to them by SV Angels, which is their you know preferred angels partner. And SV Angels, there's no way to directly apply. You actually have to get a warm referral to SV Angels. And that's part of the test. Sometimes they say, yeah, the, the founder has to prove himself by you know, getting that referral up, um, which people don't like to hear because it's, you know, you have to figure it out and it's not necessarily easy. But they, there just needs to be some sort of a, a filter, right? So even of the 4,000 that are venture qualified, they're just looking at half of them that had a warm referral. And then 200 will get funded. What does that mean? That, that means across all the top tier VCs, they're going to fund 200 companies. Like Sequoia is funding maybe 15 to 20 companies a year, right? It's not a ton. And of those 200, 15 will be successes, and two of them will be unicorns that, you know, make the portfolio of whatever fund they're in. So that like realizing that, that was like the thing that kind of made me realize, wow, like we need to get ourselves venture qualified when, once I understood that. 
and you know, founder you to bring it back to founder you, that's how you venture qualify yourself. Um, build in public, kind of like what we did. Essentially, the AI All In podcast was a way to show what we could do in public. Um, and that's what got us into founder you. And so if you can actually do that, that's the on-ramp. Mm-hmm. And they'll pick the winners, meaning the people that impress them the most, to actually do the follow-on. But the point is, in terms of having an opportunity to show what you can do, like it's amazing. Foundry is absolutely yeah. amazing. Like Y Combinator, it's you know it's a black box. They accept obviously less than one percent of people, and and there's a ton of applications, and you know you get no feedback about you know why you may or may not have been taken in. You know it's just great that there's these other um, accelerators that are being built around. No, I, I mean, I think that's what I like about Jason the most is how much of an open book he is. And you can really tell that he, he cares about people and he cares about the people starting off and people because he was there too, you know, and, you know, he, he wants to see people succeed, but he knows that they've got to, they've got to want it too. And, and you know, it's, it's just really inspiring. hundred um, percent. So I have, uh, so being venture qualified, that made me think of a new question of how big is the TAM, the total accessible market for your product? Where, where do you see like people investing in your company now? I mean, they're going to have to get 100x, 1000x to return or like they're expecting the valuation to go up a huge amount. And I'm just wondering like if you could dive into that a little bit of just podcast economics podcast ecosystem of I don't know how much money there is to be to be that's being spent and how yeah. to be made so podcasting is interesting there's about five million podcasts out there um 70 million episodes almost half a billion listeners um that listen to podcasts and the growth of podcasting is 30 percent year over year so compounding until 2029 it's going to be a hundred billion dollar market um, and the other thing you have to realize is YouTubers, you know, people that have a YouTube channel, that's quite analogous to a podcast. Um, in fact, some of our customers are YouTubers who, you know, this one example, French podcaster, his assistant uses our system to generate the, the chapters and put them in the YouTube descriptions. And, you know, I showed him that we can actually generate a show website for him. So he uses that. And he was looking at the, you know, thisweekinstartups.com, which we also power. And he was seeing how they had, you know, distribution links to 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 Apple Podcasts and to to Spotify. And so he's saying, oh, I always wish I could have my my show as a, a podcast on those platforms, but I just don't have the time and, and my assistant doesn't have the time. And so I told him, hey, no problem. We can just make podcast AI generate a feed for you. So we did that and we submitted the feed to Apple and and Spotify. And so he is automatically, just by his assistant using us for those chapters, he automatically has his website fully generated and he's automatically on all the podcasting platforms. So there's not only just the TAM of podcasting itself, it's what's happening with podcasting. A lot of YouTube is essentially analogous to podcasting and are great customers for us. And, you know, if you think about education, right, a professor is pretty analogous to a host. A course is analogous to a show. A lesson 
is analogous to an episode. And, you know, just imagine in education, being able to have that show website, which is essentially the course website, and being able to chat essentially a, a Q&A with an AI version of the professor about the lesson. So yeah. there's that on top of it. And then finally, like going back to Westworld, you know, our AI hosts, you know, it's it's a bunch of different models working together, but essentially it has the voice of the host, the LLM, meaning the actual natural language processing, it's trained on past transcripts. So it speaks like the host. And part of the process of uploading something to podcast AI is it memorizes the episode. It essentially puts every paragraph of the transcript into a vector database. And what that means is that the AI hosts can have access to everything in the transcript as a memory based on the context of what they're talking about. So you can very much imagine us being able to give these AI hosts email accounts, put them on company slacks. You could give them job titles um, and they could maintain memories about what they're doing and they could actually become workers. So in, in terms of what we're doing and where we're going, I just think the TAM is just insane. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and that's actually, um, for me, what I'm, I don't actually care that much about the audio side of things. Like I care about video and then I, I don't like, is your software and now your program, uh, like I could upload my video version of the podcast and does it get just converted to audio and put on RSS feeds? Correct. So automatically, you just drop in your file. Um, the audio is what goes on the RSS feeds for the podcast. We're going to eventually have push to YouTube. So essentially, your workflow will be you finish your episode, you drop it into podcast AI, goes off to the, to the podcast automatically. It goes off to YouTube automatically. One of our customers actually asked for automating even all the steps for all the generations. So you can actually imagine you drop it in, it does the description, the key points, the chapters, uh, creates viral moments, uh, creates social media posts for those viral moments, and then schedules them off to all the social media accounts. Um, so essentially, you're done recording, drop it, you walk away. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's the future right there. It's just getting there. What's your like GPU usage? Like, Where do you have your GPUs and how does that work? So for some things, we're using our own models. Um, and obviously, everything in AI right now is kind of based on on open source models. So we're, we're doing some of that. Um, we're using DigitalOcean as our, as our host provider. Some people use AWS. Um, you know, there's a bunch of you know different host providers, and they're all roughly equivalent. Um, I'd say AWS is way more complicated, obviously. Um, so so we, 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 we decided to sort of abstract more things and, and uh, use something that's easier to use for us. But... Um, yeah, like like we're using the best AI models for everything we're doing. So we have APIs that we hit for transcription that are best of class um, for LLMs, you know, OpenAI, um, and also for text-to-speech. So where we see the market going is all of the models and LLMs, they're all going to get really damn good really quick. And... You know, best in class is going to matter less because the marginal return on quote unquote best is just going to become infinitesimal. Um, and so for us, the key right now is just using whatever's best in class. So for example, using GPT-4 uh, is, is key for us because that's really the best model 
and you know but obviously all the all the open source models are, are going to catch up pretty soon and so we'll just always be using whatever is the best and gives the best result for the customers and where do you like know that it's the best how do you stay up to date on what's the best in this community yeah so, so there's there's a few ways we we kind of benchmark things um so we we have a few set things that we make it so that it's easy for us to test on on the various models when they come out mm-hmm. um we stay up to up to date frankly just through like x or twitter um mm-hmm. just like seeing you know what what's the new stuff coming out there and um yeah i mean i mean so far open ai is the best that's sort of indisputable um for llms at least and uh and yeah we're we're just uh we're just sticking to whatever is best in class that's amazing. Okay, I think we just have one more thing to get to, and that's uh, when we first talked after your tweet went viral, we had a conversation, and you kind of gave me the the future plans of where your product could go for you know fans of the All In podcast. Like, what can fans of the All In podcast expect with your product in the future? Yeah, so, so with Podcast AI, because we have all the transcripts for a podcast... Um, we actually have the timestamp of every single word, and a word can be turned into a foaming and a visime, um, meaning essentially how the mouth moves with the word. And so you can imagine putting on like Apple's Vision Pro or, or any VR system and actually being at the table with the four besties, let's say, if we're talking about all in um, and with the new Gaussian splatter uh, tools. We'll be able to actually create these really amazing models pretty fast. And so imagine you put this thing in, you're at the poker table with the four of them. You actually feel like you're there and they are essentially reenacting the podcast episode and looking at the right person because we can actually determine that um, and really enacting the podcast. Um, the same podcast, like it's going to be like the, the same, you know, script. It's just going to be run through your program and then the viewer, the fan will be able to watch it in VR and actually be there at the table. Be at the, the table. Be at the table with the besties as they, you know, do the podcast, but they're actually like interacting with each other, yelling at each other. That's insane. That, that, that sounds so cool. Like I would, you know, for me, I always watch it on YouTube. I think it's, you know, way better than watch, just listening to the audio, but the VR sounds way better than the YouTube. That sounds amazing. And, and all you need is actually the audio to do that. Um, but it gets better than that. Like right now we have on our, our show portals that we generate those websites. You have the ability to chat with the AI hosts. And so we can actually integrate that so that they're having the podcast and you can interrupt and say, hey, what about this? They'll turn towards you and go back and forth with you. And then you can just say, okay, carry on. And they'll just continue doing the episode. Okay, so you, you can just kind of interrupt the podcast and be like, hey, Chamat, didn't you say something different last week? And he would turn to you and be like, "No, no, that's not. I, that's not what I said." And uh, God, and you just and he would have the within correct, and he would have the perfect recall. Um, yeah, and and the beauty of it is this is all happening virtually. Uh, you know, you just say resume, and and um, it's it's really like you're there. Wow. Yeah, and you could have them like it's they touched on like Freeber touched on a topic, you know briefly but you wanted to hear more and you could ask him more and because there's such a bank of all-in content and like all of his thoughts on previous you know so many previous topics are are there in the the library he'd be able to tell you what he thinks 
Right. But wow. part part of the premise of, of the company is that podcasts are the best bootloader for doing these AI hosts, because in what other context do you have just hours and hours and hours and hours of people talking extemporaneously about various topics? So, you know, if we're talking about doing a Westworld, well, this is it. And essentially what, you know, what we're describing with, with this thing, it's, it's more analogous, I, I would say, to the Star Trek holodeck. In fact, very analogous to it. So, yeah, it's, it's just going to be amazing what we're, we're going to be doing very shortly. Wait, so can you expand on that? So how is it like the Star Trek holodeck? Well, the holodeck is essentially, you, you know, you walk into this area of the, the ship and actually, the way the holodeck works in in Star Trek lore is that um, technically the the persons are being you know teleported and and you have um, you know particle beams basically creating the the people and physically. But essentially, what you're doing is you know you could be on the holodeck and talking to Albert Einstein and having a conversation with him. Well, if you put on Apple's VR and you're sitting at a table with you know, 3D models of the besties and they're enacting the episode and you can go back and forth with them and interact with them. Well, that's kind of like the holodeck. Yeah. And then you can change the the scenery too. Like, oh, let's go, let's go play some golf. Exactly. Um, Yeah. yeah, Basically it's, it's, it's going to be incredible and all the tech to do it is here. So, you know, part of why we're building up the company. How excited are you for an Apple's VR set? I'm pretty excited. I mean, the what we're going to be able to do with it, you know, as I just described, um, it's. It, I think it's the next phase of how, you know, podcasting and content consumption is going to work. You're going to be there. And is it just a kind of a, for them? Because you know, VR and AR has been done before, but is it more like they've got the timing right this time because it's kind of coming off the back of all of this AR and or AI and LLM breakthroughs. Yeah. I would say so. Um, there, there's a few factors. You know, Apple's known for not being the first to do. Actually, sometimes they are first to do things um, or to exploit certain technologies. Like I think they were the first. Uh, you know, whatever the uh, the last version of the floppy disk was. I think they did that. They're also the first to kill it. Um, I think they were the first to adopt USB, but obviously they didn't invent USB. Um, so those are examples of them being first. Also. I don't think they were literally the first to use those small hard drives that became the iPod, but they might have been. Um, so, you know, and, and there's there's times when they're definitely not the first, like they weren't the first to make a tablet. But, you know, even when they're not first, they're the first to do the an amazing version of it that everybody wants. So, you know, with we're going to see what happens with the Vision Pro. Obviously, it's extremely expensive, but I think that between just better execution you know, which is possible with time, right? You know, speed, GPU power, all these things solve um, battery power. All these things get solved with time, actually. And between that and what's possible now with AI, I mean, I think that makes the difference. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I, I hope I have some reason to, to buy one of those because it does seem uh, really, really cool. I'll give you a reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, man. I, I, I think that, I think that you've kind of convinced me in this call to to give have you guys be my podcast host and give it a try for a month at least. And I mean, I I, I want to send it to my you know my family and be like, hey, have a chat with me. I, I'm sorry I couldn't make it for uh, Christmas dinner. Please, uh, 
<laughs> and my AI presence instead. Uh, sure. Oh, man. Um, is there anything that I forgot to uh, to mention that you would like to, to say more? Um, not really. I, I mean, I, I think we covered some great topics, um, you know, for people that are interested in uh, starting a company. Again, like I said, this is just this amazing point, uh, point in time uh, in terms of what's possible. Um, I wouldn't advise everybody to form a company. It's not for everybody. Um, some people, you know, nine to five and, you know, you know what you have to do and then your time is your own. That's, you know, that's a perfectly uh, normal thing and respectable thing. But, you know, uh, I forget who, who said this, but, you know, founders, something in them is broken. They want to go on hard mode. You know, what's the Elon quote? Uh, chewing glass and staring into the abyss. Um, yeah. I, I will say, like, it's it's been so, like, fast and amazing for us that it hasn't actually been like that. It's actually just amazingly exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's the difference between if you're working on something that's just, like, booming and, and going amazingly well versus, mm-hmm. you know, you're slogging it out on something very uh, difficult in terms of maybe there's no product market fit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, if you feel like you want to do a startup, and Jason was making this point on Twitter, like, there's no better time than now. Like there's never been a point where Silicon Valley is more accessible through programs like FounderU. So I would just super triple down on that. Uh, I want to thank obviously Presh and Kelly for for you know picking us, um, and and Jackie as well for for bringing us into the accelerator, and obviously Jason and the whole team there. Yeah, well, wonderful talking with you, Edward. Um, it's been it's been a pleasure, and I'm excited to try out your product myself, and excited to get. Some great clips of this episode out there, too. And uh, we'll have to check in again in a couple months. Super. Look forward to it.